here. If you've not shared it on social media, you can take a card or two or three cards with you tonight and make sure that gets to somebody because we want to have a wonderful time. I think Jesus is worthy of us coming together and worshiping Him uh, in musical celebration Sunday night. We're going to have some, uh, actually a little more than refreshments. Lori, what are we going to have Sunday night? Everybody hear that? Lori says we're having... <laughs> uh, one more time, no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Lori, if it's the way you say that or your overalls. It reminded me of hee haw. <laughs> Y'all remember that? That they'd come on there and they'd say, "What's for supper, Grandpa?" And it'd always be possum belly and whatever. Y'all remember that? All right. So, if I can reel y'all back in, we're going to have a great time Sunday morning and Sunday night. I just can't wait for Sundays, and I hope you feel the same way. And we're going to have wonderful service Sunday morning and then that Sunday night. And again, we want to make sure everybody knows that they're welcome to come and join with us in the celebration, and in soups and sandwiches and desserts. All right. I'm making my famous broccoli soup. I am, and I'm going to bring it Sunday night. I can only make one crock pot, so first come, first serve, right? (laughs) So we will do that Sunday night. All right, very good. What praise reports do you have? God's good to us, and we need to brag on Him tonight. Do you have a praise report you'd like to share before we have some corporate prayer time and then into our fun and study tonight. Yes. All right. So we praise God for that. We prayed for Aaron. Anyone else? Yes. Hank, give us a good report about Susan. Indeed, he is. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much for bringing that up tonight, and we'll bring it up Sunday morning, but. The children's ministry had a float Saturday before last in the Christmas parade, and it took second place. All right. Sam? Thank you. 
Amen. <clears throat> that's, that's wonderful. You know, you run into people all the time, and uh, if they're honest with you, they start sharing things they're walking through and difficulties, but that's unique when you have somebody like that that just wants to give you good reports. Praise the Lord for that. Yes, Ronnie? Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm sorry? Mike, yes, Mike Bryant had uh, quite a procedure with his heart uh, last week in his home now and doing, doing well, so we're thankful for all of those. Who else? Amen. Amen. One of God's greatest gifts is our Christian friends. And it's not, I say friends, it's really family. And uh, my family and I have had a pretty difficult week this week. But in the midst of that, we've uh, seen so many friends do such kind things and say kind things and reach out in a very kind way. And so we're just so thankful for, for good friends, good church family. God is good to us through the people he puts in our lives, and we're thankful for that. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Can we just kind of quit having surgeries and stuff for a while? Would that be all right? Anybody make a motion? No. <laughs> Got a quick second, did we? Anybody else? Yes. Wow. Yeah, amen. Good for him. Absolutely, you should be. Anybody else?
All right, let's, let's pray corporately tonight, silently from our hearts or whispered, however you want to do that. And I'm going to lead you through the Acts model. We've done this a few times, and so you kind of know how it goes. But uh, I will suggest some things and take just a few moments to pray through these areas as we pray together. Uh, we begin by praising God just for who He is. We adore Him because He is the great and good God. When we think about God, it reminds us of who we are. We're human, we're sinners saved by grace, and sometimes we just need to take a moment and confess maybe a thought that we've thought today, an unkind word or deed. Uh, Take a moment if you need to and just confess anything you need to the Lord. All people, we ought to be thankful. Take a moment and just thank God for His many blessings. Use the letter S, it stands for supplication, which means we pray for God to supply our needs and the needs of others that we know about. So if you have a need, take it to the Lord in prayer. The Bible says you have not because you ask not, or maybe you want to pray on behalf of somebody else. Father, we just praise you tonight that we can come and pray through the work and the redemption we have in Jesus Christ. And Lord, through him, we know that we have an advocate with you and therefore we can approach your bold, your, your throne rather boldly as the word says. And so Father, thank you for giving us the privilege of prayer. Thank you, Father that in our prayers we can adore you, we can confess, we can express our thanksgiving. And Lord, thank you so much that we can pray for our own needs and on the behalf of others. Lord, in our praise time tonight, we were all reminded of how you have heard us and inclined your ear toward us and answered our prayers. And so, Father, we praise you for that Father, we praise you tonight for Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that we have this season and big day of the year that's coming up 
where we focus on the greatest gift ever given, and that's your son. And Lord, tonight, as we have a good time together uh, with some questions that make us think through the Christmas story, I pray, Father, that it be more than just a trivial pursuit, but Lord, it be a time where we learn together from your word. Father, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name, and amen. All right, so on your answer sheet, you should have two columns finished. And tonight, we're going to work on that last column. This has been easy, 10 questions. You know, just 10 questions these last three Wednesday nights, counting tonight. And tonight, we're just focusing in on some of the details of the Christmas story as we find them out of the Gospels of Luke and Matthew. So we're in the Gospels of Luke and Matthew tonight. You can't open your Bibles. Can't do that because that's not fair. And you can't search on your phone. Can't do that. That's not fair. I may not see you, but somebody else is watching tonight. And he's making his list and checking it twice. So, uh, we will, we'll just get started, and, and what I want you to do before you write down an answer is think, I mean really think, because I think when you think, uh, you go through the Word in your life, you know anything that we do that causes us to reflect on the Word of God is beneficial for us, and it pays dividends in our discipleship, and so I want you to think about these things, and I believe when we leave here tonight, of all people in this part of Kentucky, we will be Christmas scholars, all right? That's a good thing. So, you know, when we think about Christmas time, one of my family's favorite traditions, and it's what we do, of course, this year's been unusual for us, but Typically, what we do before we put out the tree or anything on the outside is Amy and I, in our first Christmas together, before our oldest son was born, uh, we bought our first couple, and then it has become the family nativity set. And we love it. I mean, it just means so much to us because we get it out and we set the manger, you know, it came with a, a big building. It's, it's not exactly uh, true to what maybe the surrounding would have looked like, but it reminds us that Jesus, as we've talked about, wasn't born in that inn, not necessarily because the innkeeper was mean, right? We've discovered that, but he had a place to be born, and it was out in a cave, actually. That's where they would have had the manger where, you know, the animals would have fed, but is out in the cave. And so every year when we've started our Christmas decorations, that's where we start. And when the boys were younger and were at home, you know, we're empty nesters now. Some of you know what that feels like, but that's what we are. I mean, that's just just Amy and me. And uh, so this year's been a little different, but over the years, as we've got out each piece, I've tried to just talk through that. 
with my family and we reflect on what each piece means. I've got to tell you a little story about Andrew. When he was first talking with this nativity set that we have, um, he, he, was, he was learning about Mary and Joseph and he couldn't say Joseph. And for that whole season, he called him Jufus. And so we would go by that nativity set, and I would say, now, Andrew, who is that? He said, Jufus, Jufus. So for a full season, Joseph was Jufus for us. And so uh, we had that, and we set it out, and it reminds us of the biblical story, but it's stretching the biblical story a little bit. And it's okay. It doesn't do it in a way that changes what the Bible says or anything like that. But we, my point is this. We get that scene kind of fixed in our minds, and we think we know exactly what that first Christmas looked like. And the bottom line is it probably didn't look anything like our nativity sets. I'm sorry. Enjoy your nativity set, all right? I'm not trying to uh, cause you not to enjoy, because we enjoy ours. Again, each element reminds us of things, but we get that kind of set in our minds, and some of the things that we look at, that we see, that we picture in our mind's eye is not always the case. And so I think some of the things we'll deal with tonight may stretch us and challenge us to think through what that first Christmas really might have looked like. And so I'm going to start with an easy one. So question number one is, was Jesus laid in a manger? Was Jesus laid in a manger? That's not a tricky question. And I, I know you're saying, well, Brother Allen, you've been tricky with us for three weeks now. But it's, it's real, this one is not, I'm just, I'm starting you out light. So was Jesus, yes or no answer, was Jesus laid in a manger? I'm saying heads nod. So do we re- agree together that the answer is a big fat yes? Jesus was indeed laid in a manger. So that's an easy one. Everybody should have got that because... The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in what? In a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So that one verse of Scripture dispels some things that some particular groups have taught over the years. There are some that talk of Mary as the perpetual virgin Mary. But the Bible from the very beginning of the Jesus story doesn't teach that because what does Luke write? This is her firstborn son, which suggests what? Yeah, that there were more. So Mary did not just have Jesus. Uh, So the, the doctrine of the immaculate conception is not correct. And the perpetual 
virginity of Mary and the elevation of Mary to a part of the Godhead, you know, that is not, none of that is correct. Mary was a good young lady, and she was a chosen young lady. She was highly favored, the Bible says. And out of all the young ladies in Israel, God chose her, but never to the point that like some of our Catholic brothers and sisters might say that she was co-redemptrix or that she, you know, is somebody that we pray to or pray through. Scripture just frankly does not teach that. She had a firstborn son, Jesus, and then she would have other children. And the Bible is very clear about that. And then the other thing that we, we see here is what we talked about last week. The innkeeper could have been a really nice guy. So the whole idea of the mean man, <laughs> I remember going when I was a young, before I was a senior pastor and I started in a different type of ministry in a church, I remember that the children one Christmas had this little play that they did. It wasn't Sunday night fabulous, by the way. Our kids were great. That was awesome. But they did this little play, and they talked about the innkeeper, and they had one dressed up like the innkeeper, and had him talking all gruff and mean when Mary came to the door. And they had this part that they all recited together as a group. The mean man says no room. The mean man says no room. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Because, you know, he he could have been a really good guy. He allowed Mary and Joseph to use what he had. That's what he had. And a lot of New Testament scholars say it's probably a better situation than the inn would have been. All right, we talked about that last week. All right, think about this one. Did livestock keep Joseph, Mary, and Jesus company that first Christmas night? Did livestock keep Joseph and Jesus and Mary company that first Christmas night? Um, My nativity set has livestock. But did livestock keep Jesus and Mary and Joseph company that first Christmas night? I see some busy beavers writing things down. What do you think? Yes? I'm hearing yes, but what if I told you we don't know? Huh? Well, that's, that's a good question. That's a good question. Now, here's the thing. It's reasonable to think that there could have been livestock there in the cave. Probably, well, not probably, factually, the caves around there, I've been in those caves, and there are all kinds of them. Uh, Bethlehem and the area around there is just dotted. I mean, just absolutely dotted with these little caves. And so there could have been 
you know, animals in the same cave Jesus and Joseph and Mary were in stands to reason because they laid him in a manger. But the fact is the Bible just doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say. And we're not going to press the detail there and make a big deal out of it. And, and do not throw your livestock away from your nativity set. That's not what Brother Allen is trying to say tonight. But the fact of the matter is, Scripture doesn't say because here's, here's the verse that gives us the detail. Luke 2, 7. She brought forth her firstborn son, same one we read a moment ago, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger where there could have been cattle lowing, there could have been sheep baying, there could have been donkeys braying, but we don't know. There was no room for the inn, so they laid him in the manger. What's, what are swaddling clothes? That is significant, by the way, in the Christmas story. That's not one of our trivia questions, but what, what are swaddling clothes? Do you have any idea? Well, we know what we call swaddling clothes now. We, we still swaddle little babies, right? Somebody said something? But the swaddling clothes that they would have had that would have been accessible to them would have been the, the rags that they used to swaddle the ewe lambs when they were born. They would often do that. They would bind up the lambs and keep them warm that way. And so very likely, that's exactly what they used for Jesus. And there's symbolism there, right? Because we've talked about it. John says that Jesus is who? He's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's John in Revelation. John the Baptist says the same thing. When Jesus comes to be baptized by him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You love true or false? How many of you, I know several of you know Gary Scott. Y'all know Gary. Gary used to love to give us true and false questions at Broadhead in the seventh grade. And he would always do this. He would make a question that says, it is true that it is false that blah, blah, blah. Regina, do you remember that? Mr. Scott used to do that. It is true that it is false, whatever. And so he wanted to trip you up. You had to think through. It is true that it is false that whatever was a fact. Anyway, this is not one of those. This is easy, true or false. True or false? A host of angels told the shepherds of Christ's birth. A host of angels, a big bunch of angels, told the shepherds that Jesus was born. Is that true or false? It is either true or false. It's not one of those I don't know or the Bible doesn't say. It is categorically true or false. Can we call the answer? Some say true. Does anybody say false? We have a few that say false. 
and false is actually the correct answer. This is picky, and it's getting into the details, but we want details from Scripture. Here's what the Bible says, the next couple of verses from Luke 2. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. So the shepherds first heard it from an angel, from, from a singular angel. We'll come back and talk a little more about the angelic stuff in the announcement of Christ's birth in just a moment, but it was an angel. Okay, true or false? The shepherds were told to follow a star. The shepherds were told to follow a star. Now, in our nativity set, (laughs) we have the barn, the manger, Mary Joseph, baby Jesus, the shepherds, livestock, and a star hanging over it. And that's okay. But did a star lead the shepherds to find baby Jesus? The shepherds were told to follow a star. True or false? True, I'm hearing false. It's a, y'all are a mixed report. It's false. It is false. Who, who followed the star? Yeah, the wise men followed the star because the Bible says in Luke 2, 11 and 12, just following right along with the Christmas story, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord, And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So the sign for the shepherds was not the star, but they were to look until they found in a cave somewhere in Bethlehem. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus wrapped up in swaddling clothes and laid down in a feed trough. So, the shepherds didn't get the star. Now, this is picky, but think about it. Did the angels sing to the shepherds? It's in the carol, right? Hark, the herald angels sing. But did they? Did the angels sing to the shepherds? Yes or no answer. I'm already hearing somebody say no. How many of you think no? You're on to me by now, aren't you? They didn't because the Bible says in Luke 2.13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying... So what they had to report, their praise unto God, was something they said. 
something that they spoke. The Bible doesn't say that they sang. Uh, So that takes us back to what we talked about a moment ago in that the initial message was from an angel because it says the angel and he makes the announcements to to the shepherds and then all of a sudden the heavenly host join in. Can you imagine those shepherds? I mean, seriously. To be out there in the field taking care of the sheep and then boom, here's an angel giving you this report that Messiah has come and then all of a sudden there's a big angelic host that joins in and then they begin to say something. So it begins with an angel and then it turns into the multitude, the host of angels. But they didn't sing, they said something. And that leads me to question number six. What did the angels say in praise to God? What did the angels say in praise to God? There's two parts to what they said. They said something in praise to God, and then they said something to mankind. But do you remember what they said in praise to God? Absolutely, that's what they said. They said, glory to God in the highest... And the Bible says there in verse 14 of Luke 2 that they gave that praise and admiration toward God. And then they said, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So a double message. Praise God. God was to be praised because all of those prophecies for all of those hundreds of years came into fruition that night when Jesus was born. God did what He said He would do. And it's the best news for men. It's a news of peace. You don't have to be lost in your sin anymore. You don't have to not have peace with God because of your sin. Now you have peace. And this is a message of goodwill toward all people. Now we're going to spring forward just a little bit away from the angels and the shepherds and we'll talk about the wise men. This is a fun question. What did the wise men ride on to Israel? What did the wise men ride on to Israel? I can tell you one for sure. It was not a train. It was not a train. What did they ride on to Israel? What does the Bible say that they rode on to Israel? Well, the obvious answer we want to say is a camel, but the Bible doesn't say. We don't know. Uh, They very likely could have had camels. And they could have ridden on camels, but but we just don't know that. My nativity set (laughs) has a cattle lowing, has the donkey there, and then, you know, we have to be, you know, at least conscious of what Scripture says. And so 
we kind of have the wise men set off to the side a little bit. And in the middle of those wise men, we do have old Clyde the camel. And that's okay. That's okay because they really could have ridden on Clyde. But the bottom line is we, we just don't know. We can maybe assume that. But the Bible says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. All we know is that they came. How they got there, we're not really sure. But the good news is they came because they did something fabulous. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So... They could have ridden on a camel, but we just don't know. Stretch your brain a little bit and think about this one. How many wise men came to see Jesus? How many wise men visited the Lord? Be careful before you write down an answer. Think about it. I know we have the carol. We three kings of Orient are. We have that carol. Uh, Well, I put it this way, at least two. (laughs) At least two. We, We really don't know how many. There could have been three in my nativity set. There are three wise men and a camel. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, You could say at least two. You could say more than one. But we cannot assume that there were three or even four. But there could have been. There could have been three. There could have been a dozen. There could have been a hundred. Unsure? Well, unsure is okay, um, but we know there were at least two or more than one because the Bible very clearly says when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men. You ladies didn't know that there was one or more in the world, did you? But there were wise men that came from the east to Jerusalem. So scripture does put it in the put it in the plural, wise men, so we know there has to be more than one or at least two. Not necessarily three, but there could have been. But a good answer is at least two because wise men came. What type of structure? did they come into? And what type of structure did the wise men visit Jesus? In my nativity set. (laughs) You know, I've already told you what it looks like. We have the creche and the, you know, all that stuff and the shepherds, the cattle owing, all of those things, and then the wise men right there on Christmas night. All right, who has an answer for me? A cave? A house. 
they came to a house. And that's what the Bible says. When they were come into what? The house. They saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. So the wise men were not there on that first Christmas night. And I plan to preach on this Sunday after next. Am I right about that? No, no, no. The first Sunday after we come back from Christmas. But anyway, they come a couple of years maybe after Jesus was born. A lot of people estimate it, that Jesus may have been as old as a year and a half to two years old by the time the wise men came. And by that point, Mary and Joseph had just decided to stay a while in Bethlehem. And they were actually in a house by that point, Scripture says, and that's where they come. All right. Last of all, a very easy one. What gifts did the wise men give Jesus? Yeah, you know that. And that's where we, you know, kind of get tripped up in our thinking and we talk about we three kings and the three wise men, three magi, whatever. We do that because Scripture says that they did bring three gifts. And those were the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Matthew 2.11, the latter part of the verse says, And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. And there were those three gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. I know you've studied this. You've probably heard other preachers preach on it. Is there significance to those gifts? Is there symbolism and significance to those gifts? Yeah, there's a lot, actually. Gold. Now, there's a lot of practicality to the fact that they brought gold because, remember, just after this, what were Mary, Joseph, and Jesus going to do? That's right. They were going to take their flight to Egypt and they would be there to escape what Herod the Great was doing. And so they would need the gold for their journey and for their time there. But not only did they give him gold, they gave him frankincense and myrrh. Here's the significance. And I'm not going to say a whole lot because I'll say much more about this in a couple weeks. But gold is a gift for what? For a king. You know, when you think about gold, you think about a king. You think about a golden crown. You think about the access to gold. Gold recognizes that Jesus is king. They bring him frankincense. Frankincense was an aromatic that would be dried, and then the priests in the temple would use the burning of incense. And that incense was very often frankincense. So the gift of the frankincense denoted the priestly nature of Jesus. So he's king, he's priest. And what about myrrh? I'm sure you've heard it before, but what is myrrh? Yeah, that's exactly right. The myrrh uh, would be used 
as a spice, very pungent spice, and they would use the myrrh to surround the body of the deceased. That must have felt strange, you know, to Joseph and Mary at the time to receive. I mean, here's what it would be like. It would be like somebody coming to your baby shower and, and giving you embalming fluid. Honestly, because that's what the myrrh was used for. And so I'm not sure that Mary and Joseph quite understood that, but the symbolism behind it would be gold, he's the king, frankincense, he's our priest, myrrh, Jesus is our sacrifice. All right, add them up. Now's the moment we've all been waiting for. No, you didn't fail. You did not fail. And, and look, I hope, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you don't feel belittled or anything by this. I, I don't mean it that way. I, I hope it helps you think through what Scripture says and appreciate the Christmas story even more and makes you into a biblical Christmas scholar. So to claim the prize... Who got 30? <laughs> yeah. Miss Daddy, you, you sound you, you sound just like those young preachers that I teach down at the Bible college. Always trying to to get a curb, get something. Yeah, we'll curb it. All right. 25. Did anybody get 25 of them? 20? 21. 21. Who else? 22. 23? All right. Winner, winner, Christmas dinner. (laughs) All right. Doesn't look like much, but what I have for you is a cross carved in Bethlehem out of olive wood. So that is, that is yours to have and to hold. Well, but guess what? I've got one for the rest of you too. <laughs> I wanted each of you to have one of these. I, I'm not sure we'll, we'll give them out as supplies last but at least one for each home. Uh, Take one before you go. I want you to have that because as we've been talking about some, uh, the story of Christmas, you can't appreciate it until you think about from the cradle to the cross because that's what it's all about. And um, these are, in fact, I, I know the man that makes these and, and they are olive wood from the Holy Lamb carved in Bethlehem. And so I hope that will be a blessing to you. And let me give you just a little thing, uh, because we have some of these on one of our Christmas trees. Uh, if you'll tie a little Christmas ribbon around it, hang it on your tree. Take it home with you, put it on your Christmas tree, and it will remind you of the real reason for the season. All right, so I want each of you to have one to take home with you before you leave tonight. Hope you've had fun with this, and I hope you enjoy.
your little Christmas gift. I'm just going to leave those come up front here and grab one off the pew before you leave tonight. Let's turn our attention to the prayer list. And 